Welcome to an encore presentation of Compassion Radio 360. Honey, it's the end of the week, which means it's our Compassion Radio's 360 program. We're doing a wrap-up of what we've seen in the world during this week and hopefully bring a little bit of uplift, a story that you may not have heard that can help break us out of a thought pattern that may be negative. We'll do both today. We'll talk about some serious things, and we'll talk about something that might actually be uplifting to all of our listeners today. So thank you for joining me. You are traveling right now, so our listeners need to understand that your voice will be a little bit different than us sitting across the table in the studio, but as far as I'm concerned, you're right there next to me. Right. Well, it's nice that we can at least see each other on our Facebook app on the phone. And you're down in Texas right now because? Well, I came down to help my sister get ready for an estate sale at my mother's house at our childhood home, getting ready to put the house on the market now. There was a lot of things left over after my mother passed away that after distributing all of the things to family members that they wanted, we just have leftovers. We're going to put those in an estate sale to get rid of them that way. And that's going to be a very full day for you tomorrow on Saturday. Yeah. But I'm glad you're there to do that. I was expecting to be able to give you a big hug here in the next three days or so after you got back from this trip, but plans change when God starts opening doors of opportunity. Well, let's talk a little bit about what your plans are coming up here. You have some very important things coming up that you're going to be doing and doing some traveling yourself. Let's tell our listeners a little bit about where you're going. Well, I put it up on Facebook last night for our friends there and in the Compassion Radio page on Facebook as well. These are not my plans, although I would love to be able to make plans like this anytime I wanted to because I care so much about these frontline stories that we talk about so much. But our ministry partner that we're working tightly with right now for what you and I have called Last Mile Ministries for a number of years here, this partner who we're doing more and more work with called as soon as the refugee crisis emerged in Ukraine and said, we have got to get there now. There are so many gaps that are not being filled by agencies. We have a thousand mile border that is porous right now from Ukraine to the western part of Europe. Because of what we've seen on the media, most of the attention has been focused on the border with Poland, and most of the traffic and commerce between Ukraine and Europe happens across that border. And it was the easiest shot for the trains to get people out of the country. And they've already absorbed hundreds of thousands of people. But we have Slovakia, we have Hungary, we have Romania, we have Moldova. All of these countries have just as many roads crossing them, and many of the refugees are starting to pour in to those countries from other parts of the country that were not threatened during that first wave of attacks. And that's getting worse. We have lots of friends in Romania. We traveled there back in 2019 and 2020. We reached out to them right away to say, what is happening on the borders? What is not being done yet? And how do we help? And most of them said, the government's doing the best they can, and all the churches are stepping up. But we don't know how it's going to go. We would love for you to come and see for yourself. We booked our tickets right away. We are planning on going straight to Moldova, but as soon as we got our ticket spot, the president of Moldova shut down the airspace trying to keep the Russians out of their country or doing flyovers during attacks. So our flights got canceled to there. So we rebooted our plans and have us going into Bucharest first and then taking a morning flight up to Yashi, which is right along the border with Moldova. And we're going to meet a number of ministries that we've worked with before to see what's happening and where the needs are. On Sunday, I fly to Atlanta to join Jim Jennings of Conscious International and his team. We fly together from there through Istanbul to Bucharest and then on the road from there to see what we can see, to be part of what we can be part of, to give what we can give and then to bring the reports back so we know how to focus our energies as a ministry over the next few months. Basically a fact-finding trip, but also you want to do as much setup and support as possible while you're there. Yes, but it's beyond what we've done before. For so many years, we've been fact-finders. We've been out there 
documenting what God's people are doing. We're there to actually make decisions about the kind of relief that should be administered to refugees there or other things that are not being done that the governments can't do that we must do. I'm there as an equal with Jim to make decisions about what we should be focused on in the year to come. It's a big step for us. The responsibility weighs heavily on me because I don't want to make a, a bad move here or waste money in the least. There are so many needs, but you can't meet everything. Discernment is going to be a big thing for this trip. How do we make it happen as soon as possible? Well, I think that's a great prayer request then to put out there for our listeners that they would pray for you to have wisdom and discernment and to see only the things that God ordains for you to see and to hear the things that God wants you to hear so that you and Dr. Jennings can make decisions based on all the information possible. Yeah. And divine appointments along the way, too. Absolutely. The thing you expected to see is usually the last thing you do see. Right. And the people you meet that you end up working with are the last people you would have expected because you've never met them before. I am expecting the unexpected. You can't always predict exactly what God's going to call you to do. So I intend to be flexible. I intend to be exercising my listening ear as much as I can mm -hmm. and learn as I go. That's my next seven days. I have to say that I'm a little jealous. Is that okay to say that, <laughs> that I'm not able to go with you? I'm where I need to be, I know. I'm so grateful for this opportunity for you to be able to go on this trip. We have dear friends in Ukraine and have prayed for them so diligently, and our hearts are broken for them. Yeah. Most of them are not out of the country yet, but they're trying. Right. And whether or not your trip directly affects them, we don't know, but we know that God will use this to help others, to help those who need it the most. New friendships with people that were active in ministry started back in 2017 for you and I as mm -hmm. we traveled that part of the world. Those relationships have led to others, which led to our trip in 2019 and 20 through Romania and other mm -hmm. parts of, of Central and Eastern Europe, which then led to other ministry opportunities that we've been developing since then, which led to us being able to go somewhere to help do something or meet new people that will deal with this next crisis, one that God knew was coming from eternity, he knew this would happen, and yet he wasn't disclosing it to us yet. But now is the time. He's, go find out for yourself what I'm up to and be part of it. It's hard to look at this as a positive or a silver lining kind of story. I don't want in the least to minimize anybody's suffering. It is horrendous right now what's happening in Ukraine to the people that are being driven out or being socked in because of this kind of evil assault on dignity. Mm -hmm. And yet we are called to be there. I want to be an honest broker of information. I want to be able to tell the truth about what we actually see, good and bad, and to give our listeners an opportunity to step up and say, yeah, I can help with that. I want to be part of something that God's doing, mm -hmm. not just to take care of the refugee for a minute and give them a cup of soup, but to see what God's doing here. What is he doing with his church? How is he preparing his people? What does it mean to be a new diaspora when the body of Christ in Ukraine is being thrown to the four winds? Mm -hmm. What does that mean for the future of Christianity? That's a big story. So yeah. we want to follow that as we go. These are great opportunities for churches to love on people and get back to, as we would say, the red-letter Christianity, the stuff that mm -hmm. Jesus did and said, and let him, by his very example, instruct us in the first person again about what we must do when others suffer. He's giving this generation an opportunity to really experience first-century Christianity in person. I think you're right about the divine appointment aspect of this as well. Some of the people that we were able to meet back in 2019, we're connecting them with people that we met in 2017. It is an amazing piece of the puzzle that God has been designing all this time. I just feel so privileged to be part of that. 
I'm grateful that God is using us, is using this ministry to support the kingdom, to support yeah. his children in places of disaster and in places of terrible, terrible suffering. I believe it's the right thing to do. Mm. It is the right way to use the resources that God has provided for us. We want to see and we want to witness. We want to hear. We want to tell. That's what mm. communications ministries do. But that is not all. Everything about Compassion Radio and Compassion Avengers, which is the umbrella organization that surrounds this radio program, we need to be about doing kingdom work. Yes. So as we tell this story, it's going to be encouraging. The things that God has done to provide miracle solutions to problems will also come to you and say, friends, now is the time to act. Will you yeah. act with us to see the kingdom do its work, not just persevere, but to flourish in a new generation? We are going places on behalf of you, my listener friends, that nobody else is going to do. Help us get there and help us bring the story back and help us make the story a living story, a rescue story, a resurrection story. So thank you for your support of us to do what we do and to take you where we take you. And we'll tell you a whole lot more about this particular trip as soon as I'm back. Well, let's switch gears now and talk about stories that we've read that give us a pause. Yeah. Remind us of God doing things around the world. Truth leads us to kingdom thoughts. Kingdom thoughts lead us to kingdom action. So where else to find great inspiration for this week's uplifting story but Inc. Magazine? <laughs> it's a business magazine. Interesting title, an article, which wasn't all that long. We'll read most of it to you, and we'll give them full credit for their publication of it. It's not our words, it's theirs. Inc. Magazine's article titled, The Secret to Happiness. According to this Harvard professor, a reversed bucket list. Interesting thought. That was a grabber, of course. We all heard about the idea of the bucket list, all the things you want to get into your life before you die to make you feel like you accomplished something or experienced things that you want to do to bring joy into your life and to get out of drudgery or sameness. Mm -hmm. That's what bucket lists are supposed to do. So what in the world is a reverse bucket list? Well, if you want to be truly happy, they say, don't just think about what you want to add to your life, but about what to take away from your life. Takeaways, things that you actually pick up that were unexpected truths or understandings or knowledge or wisdom and bring that back with you. No, they're not talking about that in this article. They're talking about the things you need to take out of your life. Mm -hmm. So let's read a little bit of this. Do you mind start at the beginning of that article, honey? Sure. Most of us have some sort of bucket list, whether it's a literal scrap of paper or just a mental inventory. Just about everyone has a checklist of experiences and accomplishments they hope to achieve before their time here on earth is up. Well, that makes sense. When we think of how to improve our lives, our first impulse is generally to add things. I'd be happier if my career were going better. A trip to Hawaii would really improve things. Of course it would. Everything would be different <laughs> if I could find a good relationship. Mm. There's only one problem with this approach. Science suggests that it tends to backfire. They're actually talking about specific studies and research into the human psyche, psychology, neuroscience, all kinds of things are collaborating on this to find out what makes people tick, how these interdisciplinary studies have informed us in ways that we didn't expect. Well, the author goes on to say that this is the problem with traditional bucket lists. Having goals is a great way to accomplish the kinds of big ambitions that give life meaning. No one says waiting around on the couch for the universe to do what it will with you is the route to fulfillment. But a mountain of research shows that when you reach your goals, they're likely to only bring you momentary joy. Momentary joys are not bad. They're not wrong. Right. They're just momentary. And you and I have had plenty of experiences where in the middle of some really, really hard things, there are some bright light experiences mm. in the middle of all that that bring a real joy and give relief in the moment. That's good. 
it's not forever, but it is something that is to be celebrated. So I don't think you're saying that momentary joys are not good, just that these kind of bucket list things give only that kind of joy. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw, to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or give online at CompassionRadio.com. I don't think you're saying that momentary joys are not good, just that these kind of bucket list things give only that kind of joy. Well, she goes on to say, after a brief high, dissatisfaction creeps in and we start to crave the next thing on the list. So it is literally momentary joy. Adrenaline junkies come to mind. Mm -hmm. Psychologists call this the hedonic treadmill. Before I continue, I wanted to give that little bit of a definition. And so I looked up what the hedonic treadmill is, and it's the observed tendency of humans to quickly return to a relatively stable level of happiness despite major positive or negative events or life changes. So in other words, no real life change out of it. Right. So according to this theory, the more money you make, the more things you experience, your expectations and desires begin to rise in tandem with that. So the result is no permanent gain in your happiness meter because your expectations raise. And the pressures of life. We talk about climbing the corporate ladder in America or expanding the American dream. When people step into opportunity to buy a house, to get a better car, to go to college, to take vacations, whatever, everything that adds more stuff to life also adds more responsibility and obligations and even financial debt. But if you could live on a cash basis only and keep adding things to your life with no burdens, your expectations would rise. There would be little cost to that. But that does not seem to be the way the modern society works too much. We gain a lot, but we also bring a lot of baggage along with it. Right, right. Well, as we're on this treadmill, (laughs) it just increases our desire for more. So we just keep working there. But the rest of us just understand that however much you fantasize about that giant TV, the fancy promotion or glamorous vacation, as soon as you get it, you start eyeing an even bigger TV screen, the next rung up the ladder or another exotic locale. How do you get off this treadmill and find lasting peace of mind? 
That's the subject of the latest Atlantic article from Harvard professor Arthur C. Brooks. The deep dive into what truly makes us happy draws not just on the latest research, but also the wisdom of Thomas Aquinas, Buddha, and that modern sage, Mick Jagger. Of course, it's a perfect trifecta of wisdom right there. Right. It's worth the read, she says, but if you're looking for practical advice on how to break free over ever-expanding ambitions, Brooks offers a simple practical suggestion. Swap your traditional bucket list for something he calls a reverse bucket list. That's the hook that got us into this. Absolutely. Others have used the term reverse bucket list before, but Brooks describes what exactly he means by the term. And this is what he says. Each year on my birthday, I list my wants and attachments, the stuff that fits under Thomas Aquinas' categories of money, power, pleasure, and honor. I try to be completely honest. I don't list stuff I would actually hate and never choose, like a sailboat or a vacation house, which those would be on your list, I'm sure, babe. Maybe so. Rather, I go to my weaknesses, most of which, I'm embarrassed to admit, involve the admiration of others for my work. Next, Brooke sets down and imagines what his life would look like in five years if he were truly happy and successful, hmm. if he were living up to his values and experiencing a sense of psychological peace. This is kind of like an autobiographical sketch of your life. He's not talking hmm. about a scenario, how your emotions, how your accomplishments, how your history fit together and experience this future self. The final step he takes is to compare the two lists side by side. Would those things he craves actually bring him closer to his vision of the good life? The point of this exercise isn't to extinguish your dreams. People often regret not traveling more or starting that business later in life. Finally, running that marathon can be just as good for your self-confidence as it is for your heart. Mm -hmm. Well-considered goals are great, but you should know why you dream what you dream, and a reverse bucket list can help. If an item is on your bucket list because it lines up with your deepest desires and values, then keep it. If it's not there to impress the neighbors or feed an amorphous and unquenchable need for success or validation, onto the reverse bucket list it goes. So this is looking at your motivations as well as your wants and desires. Yeah, and looking at the things that you think you should want because you've heard that it is desirable for others. In other words, letting somebody else's envy or ambition or ego inform your choices. Subtraction beats addition in this case. When scientists ask people to solve problems of all kinds, their first impulse is to add elements. They think a new feature, additional rule, or extra ingredient will improve the final outcome. But recent research shows that subtraction is often the better route. Hmm. The same, Brooks suggests, may be true of our lives. When we feel twinges of dissatisfaction or terror at the shortness of time, we automatically grasp for more. More money, more power, more accolades, but our twinges rarely, if ever, disappear. Mm -hmm. So instead of grasping for more, maybe take a few minutes and force yourself to consider if the solution is less. Crafting a reverse bucket list just might bring you closer to happiness than ticking off even your most impressive bucket list item. You know, honey, this reminds me that over the last few years, we've had to do this hmm. with our lives. We've had to <laughs> remove some things with our lives. Whether we wanted to or not. Yeah. Exactly. Whether we wanted to take them out or not, it's been good for a lot of people to have been able to do this, to, to almost to have been forced to do this. When we were talking with some of the collection centers in the middle of COVID, like Goodwill and the library had its own thrift store, they were overwhelmed. 
Mm-hmm. People had time to empty their garages and their houses. They were creating literal physical space in their own homes so they wouldn't feel so cramped. Right, right. Where did they go with the stuff they were getting rid of? No one could go to garage sales. They trucked it over to the donation centers. They were literally overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People said, we can't take any more TVs or couches or shelves or boxes of books. They just said, we can't. The trash collectors wouldn't even pick it up. <laughs> that was a weird situation to be in. I can't get rid of these things. And maybe mm-hmm. some of our listeners have felt the same way, that they had stuff they literally could not get rid of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And now the idea of emptiness, it's not something that's real. If we feel emptiness, we're not talking about a physical hole in our bodies where there's nothing. We're talking about our soul life, our spiritual life. And if we feel empty, we want something to fill it. We feel like we need something to fill it. Sometimes God empties us out to fill us with himself. He fills me up with all good things. And in the presence of enemies, my cup runneth over. He keeps filling it. Goodness keeps spilling over the top of this cup into the world. I am not empty, is what he's saying. Mm -hmm. So we admire that. We admire that idea of being full. But we also, if we think about it for five minutes... Know that the things that can fill that part of the soul, the things that can overflow to others, require us to not be attached to the things that God fills us with. Mm -hmm. The things that are worthwhile, I think, to fill ourselves with are the things that are eternal, the things that God wants to flush through us and out of us for the benefit of the world. And that might carry with it a raft of our own physical belongings at times to benefit others or to take care of others' physical needs as well as their emotional, social, and spiritual needs. Our perspective as believers, I think, is pretty strong on this one. I have to agree with what these scientists are discovering about the human condition. So what was your takeaway from this, honey? To realize that so often desires for things, those wants, are from a heart of ungratefulness. Hmm. To examine my heart and examine my motives. Again, I just want to reiterate, it is not bad to have those bucket list items, those Mm -hmm. things that you'd really like to accomplish in your life or places you'd really like to go. I don't see anything wrong with that. Having momentary joys, like we talked about earlier, is good, as long as we acknowledge they're not meant to replace something that is eternal. Exactly. This scripture that really began to come to mind was Ecclesiastes 2. You and I did a deep dive into Ecclesiastes a couple of years ago. Yeah, in fact, if you would go to our website and just type Ecclesiastes into the search bar, you'll find the messages that went through that entire series. Check that out on CompassionRadio.com. We talked a lot about the king in Ecclesiastes and how he had talked often about his accumulation of wealth. And deep dissatisfaction with it. Yes. So in Ecclesiastes 2, it says this, I said to myself, let's go for it. Experiment with pleasure. Have a good time. But there was nothing to it. Nothing but smoke. Hmm. What do I think of the fun field life? Insane. Inane. (laughs) My verdict on the pursuit of happiness? Who needs it? With the help of a bottle of wine and all the wisdom I could muster, I tried my best to penetrate the absurdity of life. I wanted to get a handle on anything useful we mortals might do during the years we spend on this earth. And then he goes on to say all of the great things he did. He built houses. He planted vineyards. He designed gardens and parks. Fruit trees were planted. Pools of water were dug. I bought slaves. They had children. I acquired herds and flocks. I mean, he just has huge wealth. And when you and I commentated on this, it was like the irony was huge. The man did so little actual work. He appropriated the labor of others as his accomplishments. Mm. And we had a lot to say at the time about how that happens in our lives, too. He goes on to say, but when I looked, I saw nothing but smoke. Mm. Smoke and spitting into the wind. There was nothing to any of it 
just nothing. Yeah. Emptiness. So this king who had everything still couldn't fill his soul. We're being instructed here by science and by the scriptures to look for something better. Mm-hmm. And I think about the Beatitudes. The one that kind of clicks in my mind right now for this subject is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, because they will be filled. And when Jesus says that, it's a paradox, supposedly, but it's a reality, too. If we're hungry for things that God can do, the kind of things God is, because it's him, he can't be anything else but those things. He's going to be God. It's an invitation for God to move right in and be present with you. If you want to be full, friends, Jesus is saying, invite him in for who he is, not for what you want or want him to do for you, but for who he is. Mm -hmm. And that is our invitation to real satisfaction. And I think it's a cup that overflows. You can't fit God in a small cup. It's going to keep flowing. Living water is going to pour from our souls to nourish and to quench the thirst of others. And I think we have to wrap it up there on this particular Compassion Radio 360. It's been a kind of a crammed program. We thank you for your prayers and your cover over us, especially the next couple of weeks while I fly to Romania to see what God's doing to help the refugees and help the churches help them Mm -hmm. and to transform a lot of inertia of people's fears being transformed into action because God said there's nothing left to do but to do something. We have to act and I will supply you. We're going to be part of that action too as a team. You as our listeners are part of that action too. Be in prayer about what's coming, about how you can be part of solving real problems and bringing real gospel relief the Jesus way, feeding, clothing, and caring for and comforting those who are deeply traumatized by what's going on right now. Thank you so much for being part of our 360 program, and we'll see you next Monday for Chasing the Word on the Book of John. Send your special gift for the church in Ukraine today. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.